watch cartoons We'll take a look back at where we've been So let's hop into our time machine Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I'm Scarlett. I'm Katie. We're your animates and today uh, we are replacing our Cartoon Time Machine with an amazing uh, steampunk balloon that will fly into the sky and chase a comet around the earth. Yes, today uh, I have subjected Katie to a claymation film that I saw a while ago and enjoyed and thought is cool. Um, and got to revisit uh, the adventures of Mark Twain. Um, Katie, what 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 did you think of of this movie that I I sprung at you? I had so many questions and concerns. I liked I liked it, but I had questions and concerns. See, I I pitched this movie, Katie. Uh, one because I'd like recently like seen it like being like thrown around as like you won't believe this wild '80s stop motion movie. Like this is crazy stuff. And I saw the clips. And I'm like, oh yeah, wait. I think I did see this a few years ago. Um, or at least part of it. I'm not sure if I ever watched every segment, but definitely a few because it's it's very episodic. This movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I sort of thought this would play into your uh two great loves weird 80s cartoons uh and stop motion um it has both of those things um yeah so so i'll I'll give just a brief uh rundown on what this movie is um this is uh the adventures of mark twain uh, as a 1985 film uh it is the only uh feature-length movie made by will vinton i think i'm pronouncing his name right um, who is basically the father of claymation. Uh, he invented the term. He created the California Raisins, uh, the Noid, uh, the M&Ms in their original uh, like uh, uh, advertisement uh, character vibes. Um, which I think I don't think they were stop motion for very long. I think that was like a brief a brief turn. Um, but he's he's known for all of that. Um, and this movie was, you know, sort of the way to show, hey, like this funky animation style, can actually be a feature film. Um, so in in that way, I think it's it is not, I feel like it's not brought up much in like the history of stop motion animation. Um, but maybe we need to revisit that because this coming out when it did, um, you know, clearly uh is is really a front runner in fully animated in stop motion. Um and I thought the animation was just gorgeous on this, uh Katie, just like <laughs> watching it with a critical eye. Um I was really impressed with the skill of the stop motion. Like, it's easy to think of something like, you know, the the California Raisins is, I think, this sort of what we think of when we think of claymation. Um, and they're not terribly moving. Um, but the 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 artistry on this film, I, I thought, was just incredible. Um, so uh, Will Vinton ended up, uh, his, his studio was Will Vinton Studios, um, which eventually uh, became Leica. Uh, it it evolved into uh, arguably the greatest uh, stop motion animation studio. Um, so there's definitely a lot of history here. Yeah, the animation quality, the the sculptures themselves are really impressive. Oh yeah, most of the animation is really really good. There's points where I'm like, oh god, I'm kind of terrified of how these <laughs> these humans are moving. We'll as as fast. good as good stop motion should do occasionally make you be like oh that's a that's a weird expression happening right there 
there were some certain ones where it's just like I feel uncomfortable but there were other times where I'm like oh I I love the way some like shapes and figures would just melt into others yeah like that like I we we talk so much on the show about stories that are meant to be told with a specific medium and how that medium is part of the story I think this movie is a really good example of that. I think this is a this is a story that really takes advantage of the fact that it is in claymation. That these characters, you know, un- unlike some stop motion that we're maybe a little more familiar with, you know, things like Coraline, Nightmare Before Christmas, um, we're we're sort of meant to embrace the squishy clay like nature of these characters. I think we're always supposed to think that they are made of clay and that this world is clay and you can see the finger you can see the fingerprints on these guys mm-hmm. uh throughout like that you can see how malleable they are and how they turn from one thing to another um i think certainly the most memorable segment um really on on both an in-universe and meta level embraces the claymation style i'm sure we'll talk about that segment a little more uh-huh. later i think that is i bo- both from just watching it and then seeing like the internet's reaction to this movie there is one segment of this movie that like is is i think very uh, uh memorable and shocking can i just can i just read while censoring the text i sent you during that scene oh please so do preface what will be happening what will be said later um, the text I sent, and you immediately guessed what it was, because I didn't uh, give any context to why no. I sent it, was, what the bleep is this movie? And then I said, did you get to the bleep scene? And I went, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was about. It was, it was that, that was the scene that had been, like, floating around the internet that, like, I found. It was, like, what was this? And then that like re-sparked my interest in this movie and I'm glad we were able to then uh, talk about it. Um, on another level, um, just the base plot of the movie, uh, to give a summary, uh, is that this this movie is a essentially a compilation of famous Mark Twain stories, or rather, actually I take that back, it is a compilation of rather unknown Mark Twain stories, um, th- things that are are not you know, necessarily the the main like three or four that everyone associates with him. Uh, however, on a on a meta level uh, within the story, um, the the three protagonists are uh, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, Finn, and Becky Thatcher, who meet the real life Mark Twain, who is flying in an airship uh, to go catch Halley's comet. Um, because as in real life, he was born with the comet and intends to go out with the comet. Um, very famously, uh, Haley's Comet came the year Mark Twain was born, and the year he died, uh, the comet also came around again, um, which is just interesting. Like, and he like knew it was gonna happen too. Like, he like had like a weird like prophetic like a few years before. Like, yeah, I intend to die when the comet comes. Like, who who just says that? Like, Mark Twain was a weird dude. I don't have a lot of Mark Twain knowledge, but now I have a lot more. I don't particularly actually like his stuff. I found it very boring and the years we were made to read it so I uh I'm also not particularly good at English so I kind of went but now I have at least one quote of his I like what what was the quote uh I believe it is cauliflowers are just cabbages with the college education I I figured you'd like that one he's he's just a very quotable dude um I actually am a a pretty big Mark Twain fan 
um in, in you know mostly of his most basic stuff i i can't say i i think the most obscure thing i've of his i've read in its entirety is a connecticut yankee in king, king arthur's court um and that's not even that obscure um but i will say i'll say that when i was in elementary school um you know the thing well you've seen beauty and the beast right i forget is that one of the ones you've seen or haven't seen seen a lot of it i know the plot of beauty and the okay. beast okay uh this is a little smaller thing, but in in the opening number, uh, Belle goes to uh, the library and checks out the same book that she's been checking out for a while. And the old librarian is like, if you like it so much, it's yours. Um, I had that actually happen to me in real life in elementary school um, because I was the only one who regularly checked out The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. And by regularly, I mean like several times per school year for like multiple years of elementary school so that when the time came for me to move on to middle school um I remember it was like it was like June it was like toward the end of the year and I was like sadly returning it for the last time because like the library had like you know the last day to return your library books um so I went to return it and the librarian who had watched me at that point for like three years check out the same book uh every few months just like quietly grabbed the big stamp that like was like out of circulation or whatever stamped it on the front and just handed it to me it's like this is yours now <laughs> but I had that book you for many little, years you little nerd you should have you should have kept that for all days I I really should have I just I like when I moved I, I just like got rid of a lot of stuff that I, I probably should have kept for posterity um but like the you know the library card in the front of it was like a really good indication of like who had checked it out and when because it had been checked out in like 1980 something like once in the 90s you know you know how school library books are like they've been like mm -hmm. sitting on the shelf for like literal decades it's like one in the 80s like a few in the 90s and like one in the 2000s other than me like I you was know, just in a one checking out this book for our tangent to continue because it's not an episode of this podcast so we don't tangent a little oh, bit yeah, we got a tangent um, yeah that, I feel like that's an artifact of the olden days. I do miss those like library, the library cards where you had to like write your name in school yeah. and the date because then you could like see who else was checking stuff out. Yeah. So like kind of spy on people. The kids these days wouldn't get that. Everything's digital. That, now that's... when I go to the library, I don't have to talk to anyone. I can self check out my books because they like auto scan as soon as you put them on the thing. They're like, you library put it down more. and it goes, you're checking out another D and D book. God help you. This is the next thing, like this long for a library. This one not this one walking distance of me. I should just go. Like I should just go there on a Saturday and just have a time in the library. Get a library card. I they gotta give me some. I just want something physical. They, oh, they, the library them. cards are usually still physical because they have okay. code. You can scan Good. them. Good. I I want I want that. That like brings me joy. Um. So anyway, we're we're clearly two two different perspectives on uh Mark Twain. Um, which I I think this this movie I think heavily uh, relies on you having a tolerance for those kind of folksy tales, um, if not necessarily Mark Twain's works itself, because again these are relatively obscure ones. Um, Tom Tom Sawyer, uh, Huck, and uh, uh, Becky Thatcher aren't really like they're not, they're sort of almost like modern kids in some sense. I mean they they speak they speak like their book counterparts you know and they have that sort of tone but they they're really just there to be your audience surrogate they're there to be your observers of this weird airship and mark twain's weird folksy stories um so you don't really need to like like know their stories um i'll say there was one moment uh the the screenplay was written um by will vinton's uh wife 
Um, and I, I saw, I saw somewhere that she's a scholar of Mark Twain's work. I, I can't verify that. Um, but there was one moment where Tom Sawyer is like setting up, like, uh, he, he's like setting up like a trap of some kind and he leaves the keys to the trap within arm's reach. And Becky's like, why would you do that? And he is like, oh no, all the books say you, you have to have a, a means of escape within, within sight. Um, and that to me just like was like, yes, that you, you got it. Like more so than a lot of adaptations of like Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, like that moment just was like, yes, this person understands Tom Sawyer's fundamental character because he's meant to be a young version of Mark Twain, aka someone who is exceedingly literate, but doesn't like only likes the fun parts, like is has read a lot of books and like enough to know how stories work, but like not not really any real life uh um experience um so that i mean that that's part of why a lot of people are frustrated by the end of huckleberry finn um when it turns into and by a lot of people i mean me and ernest Hemingway, <laughs> um where it just turns into the tom sawyer uh, uh hour where he does shenanigans and huck is just sort of standing by the sidelines being like well i've just had an entire novel's worth of self-discovery and exploration, but I'm going to do your Tom Sawyer shenanigans now for three chapters and then the book's going to end. Um, it really sounds like you and your, you were just referencing your close pal, Ernest Hemingway. Me and my buddy Ernest, you know, we were just hanging out, getting drunk in 1920s Europe, just having a fun time together. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I have beef with the end of Huck Finn, but that's that was the one I read after Tom Sawyer when I hit middle school. That was the one I then became obsessed with, and I had just enough time to be weaned off of that um, for before high school when we had to read those books for real. Um, which it, by that point I, I memorized the damn things. Um, <laughs> anywho, um, let's let's uh, let let's get a little more into into the details uh, of this of this movie. Um, and some of some of the the segments uh, that we have. Um, so the like I said, uh, the the story is sort of split into uh, a few different uh, of Mar uh, stories and books uh, written by Mark Twain. Um, when uh, Tom, Huck, and Becky sneak aboard his crazy airship, Mark Twain's crazy airship, which he's using to chase Haley's comet around the world. Um, and while they're on, like it's it's a wacky steampunk adventure ship um that also leads them into a library where they see reenactments of of Mark Twain's favorite stories. Um, Mark Twain himself tells them some of them. Um, there's also a creepy version of Mark Twain who I've seen the internet describe as Dark Twain, which i I love that so much. <laughs> but I love it. No, it, it it's it's good stuff. Um, this this movie gets really philosophical really fast. Like the 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 and movie. I start, hate philosophy. The the movie starts like the first story. Uh, it, I want to make sure I get this name right. Um, is the celebrated jumping frog frog of Calaveras County, um, mm -hmm. which is the uh the the first uh, uh successful story that Mark Twain published. Um, and it's just kind of like a fun goofy folk tale um about a jumping frog and like you see and you kind of like I think like that first segment made me think like oh like this is one of those educational movies they showed us in elementary school when like 
we like didn't want to read the book so they're gonna tell us the story of it like kind of reading rainbow style almost um which is fun no, nothing wrong with that um but I, I feel but like they, they red herring you pretty quickly with that oh yeah that one has like that is not in tone anything like the other ones um but I mean I think I think that's again sort of starting to get you into you know easing you into who Mark Twain is so I feel like that you like start off with something more akin to like the public facing more well-known uh type of guy Mark Twain was if not necessarily a well-known story like this is takes place on the American frontier in the south in the 18 somethings and it's you know folksy and there's a moral and you know it's it's just kind of sweet um but then it starts getting um religious um mm-hmm. i think i think basically the longest segment in this movie um it's it sort of split into two parts um is uh the the adam and eve story uh we we get to see um little clay versions of adam and eve i i love that god terrifying is- clay versions of adam and eve they they definitely look pretty creepy. Um, I I like it's that the God, way they walk. They waddle. They all waddle. Yeah, all all, all the humans move weird. It's cl- it's claymation. Like it's not. These are the worst ones, though. <laughs> Everyone else, I was like kind of okay with, but then at some point, I just started staring at how these two walked, and I just went, "I'm uncomfortable." I I think that's fair. Yeah, there's definitely some some very weird movement on them. Um. But uh, I, I I like I like that God uh, is personified by an actual human hand. Um, that that tickles me. Um, again, the, the parts of this movie get kind of meta. Um, in that way, um, which I like. Um, but what? I, I hmm? what you meta? No, never, never meta. Um, yeah, I, I like uh, I like this version of of Adam and Eve. Um, being just Adam is dumb and Eve is annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm um it's it's you know they they sort of present them as like kind of your typical nagging wife and husband like idiot husband um which you know I think for for 85 okay like I think it hadn't become done to death in the same way it kind of has now as as a trope um but it was it, this was this was fun I like the way all the animals look um the animals in the and like the terrain and the flora is really cool looking. It's only Adam and Eve who throw me off. Well, I like the way like you see like the Garden of Eden like grow and like the squishiness mm-hmm. of the clay as it like mm-hmm. molds itself into trees and landscape. Yeah. Um, I enjoy how fantastical and otherworldly it looks. I think that was just a cool detail. Yeah. We could no. expound on that probably more, but my brain is not here to have a debate on the um otherworldliness of what Eden may have looked like and you know earth at first that's too much effort for this time of night well I I do I like that when uh when you know spoilers for the story of Adam and Eve (laughs) literally the oldest story we will be spoiling the bible now on cartoon time yeah (laughs) then we spoil we spoil literally the first story of the bible um when when Eden is when Eden is lost when when Eve eats the apple and it all you know quite literally goes to hell um the uh the i i like the way like the you see like things dry up and the animals like that were a little bit fantastical become just what we would like associate with normal animals 
um that's that's pretty fun I I, I like that mm-hmm. I think that's a nice touch. yeah I like the addition of the change to the oh I'm gonna use a fancy word the mise-en-scene <gasps> of the scene mise-en-scene. that makes that makes that shift not just a like story already known story beat but a physical change in the world also I really like how the snake I believe was wearing cool sunglasses yeah cool 80 shades is a, is a, is a, a snake because he was like the like the bad kid in an 80s after school special who's like encouraging Eve to do drugs only that snake was hanging out in a jazz club doing some spoken poetry yeah can snakes snap along um did this snake have legs i don't recall i don't know but yeah i don't know maybe snakes can snap somehow because like in you the can't. maybe the snake can the, the, like the the detail i think it's that left out of a lot of recreations of this story is that the 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 snake in the in the bible has legs but then god is like hey you you just i i have you one job don't tell him not to eat the apples and then he took away his his legs um mm-hmm. so you know the, the the message is listen to god or he'll break your legs um <laughs> yeah okay yeah that's fair is that not old the testament god definitely hey old testament god's my god man i i only ascribe to spiteful god and not loving god <laughs> fair fair um speaking of not loving god um <laughs> next yep. segment can we get to that one? Let's, oh my god get... why, why don't you start us off uh katie and tell us about the next segment uh based on the chronicles of young satan so uh, yes and the theme there's an overarching theme and the story we talked about heaven and hell so we got to get the counterpart to what will lead us to more talking about god and heaven we got to talk about hell some so we got to talk about satan satan um satan 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 is I love this depiction. Let's start with that. Oh, yeah. It's just a amorphous mask that eventually is on top of, I think, like kind of a suit of armor. It's like a suit, like a suit of armor, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like a uh, mask that he's holding up with one hand. Yeah. But no like head or anything behind it. Just mwah, space. Still not a visual medium, me. Um, and we're on just a floating island in nothing. And Satan's talking to these kids. And Satan should. Um, I love the voice diff- of Satan. Yeah. And, and the concept is like, gives them pieces of clay and then has, makes them, has, has them build a community which will just be destroyed. Because human nature is death and destruction, essentially, is what I think was the point. What I focused on more was how cool they made the design. Because whatever Satan's mood changed, they had the mass melt and mold into different formations to make it more terrifying or softer. And that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I And then agree. what was the line at the very end? Because they, they managed to leave and the the whole place just starts to crumble apart till it's just a little bit of island and then like all of that tends to go until the mask i think there's some really creepy line that i've just forgotten yeah i i, I have it here because it, it is from uh it is from the the, the book it's that uh, was uh, not finished being published um in time mm-hmm. is uh the quote is 
Uh, there is no God, no universe, no human race, no earthly life, no heaven, no hell. It is all a dream, a grotesque and foolish dream. Nothing exists but you, and you are but a thought, a vagrant thought, a useless thought, wandering forlorn in the empty eternities. Yeah, it was just that you are, I think the last thing is you are just a thought, is what they get to. Yeah. I was just like, well, that's some philosophy I didn't need tonight at 8.30 p.m., on yeah. Wednesday. It's definitely very existential. Yeah, I think you were trying to throw me into the existential crisis, and I don't need that. that right now. Very sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, a very, you know, I, I can only, like, this is, like, a little more chill now, but, like, can you imagine 1985, the middle of the satanic panic? Yeah. And you have something like this? Yeah. Um, I, that's, I couldn't, that's wild. Satanic panic times i was just trying to organize my DD notes during this and i looked up and went hi satan hi satan um yeah i mean because i think satan is, is portrayed as very neutral in this i think we uh, as katie said like you see his dark side when his mask you know shapes into you know more stereotypical devil horns like god i love i love the subtle stretch when he starts getting angry it's it's so cool and so creepy again what a great use of the medium of claymation um uh, but at, at the beginning uh he's portrayed uh, he, he, he introduces himself as i'm an angel um and he has a very soft, almost childlike voice. It sounds like they layered um, two different voices together, like one one a, a deeper voice and one a higher pitched one, um, which gives it this kind of creepy whine to it. Um, but it's it's still a it, he keeps a very flat tone the whole time. Like he doesn't betray a lot of emotion in his voice. Um, and he's kind to the children who go in to visit him. He offers them snacks. He wants to, you know, he gives them clay to play with. Um, and as I said, they, they create a little civilization, um, which, as with our civilization, turns to destruction and infighting and screaming. And Satan is annoyed by the noise that humanity makes. So he just destroys it all. And we see them, all these tiny clay people just wailing in pain and they turn into coffins when he smacks them um it's it's really something um i mean again once again on a meta level i feel like this has like that spoke to me in that moment of an artist experiencing a creative block of you know working with clay in the same way that the team who made this movie are working with clay um and just finding you know not not being not you know making something but then not liking what they've created and then destroying it um i like that wrathful god energy um i, I just thought that was so such a cool thing to see i mean it, it's not a it, i i can't imagine the use of the metaphor of like molding clay into into bringing life into something i i i don't think that was just accidental i don't think it was just the biblical reference i i think it was very intentionally supposed to make us think of the clay characters we're watching in the rest of the movie um mm -hmm. it is pretty fun also to watch claymation characters sculpting other clay characters <laughs> that's just now that's meta it's, it was so meta so many levels to this um god it's creepy um th this is such a creepy segment but such a cool segment the look of it is so neat <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, this was this was also another another Dark Twain inspired moment. <laughs> yeah, and that's when I sent a text of 
questioning why you made me watch this. It it, it turns the, the space turns into a skull at the end. It's creepy. I'm gonna miss that detail. Oh yeah, no, he, tur- he turns into a just a full on skull at the end. Mm. Like Mr. Skullhead, your favorite Animaniacs character. My favorite Animaniacs character. And then we were, well, actually, I don't know what happens in the meantime, but then eventually we do return to Adam and Eve and get more of that. Yeah, but right before that, we we have uh, Captain Stormfield's visit to heaven, um, which mm, is- again, That was weird. That, that's a weird one. We Again, it's sort of our counterpoint then uh, after the hell segment of, of visiting Satan um is is uh you've got this character who is is flying through the sky much like mark twain and his ship um and he is going to he's gonna go to heaven um and he arrives and there's these like they look like the noid um i think uh, a little bit um there's like all these like little blue creatures um that are uh they're they're like guarding the gates of heaven which like looks like las vegas um and uh captain stormfield is is confused he's like hey like where's where's my wings where's my halo where's my my harp and my hymn book you know like all the classic signifiers of of heaven um and there's like nope none of that here um and heaven is like again like las vegas like what we would consider to be fairly uh degenerate and sinful he comes out like hey i don't like this one bit um, and then in, in something that like makes me think a little of the twilight zone, um, they're, they're like, oh, like, well, this isn't the heaven for you then. Like, just like go down the street and you'll find a heaven that's more appealing to you. Um, and then he finds St. Peter, um, and it's like the typical heaven that he was expecting. Um, but, uh, th- then, then this, the story closes with a Mark Twain quote I, I do like, um, which is, uh, him saying, uh, go, uh, go to heaven for the climate, hell for the company, um, mm-hmm. which, Boy, I love that line. <laughs> I mean, I think that compass is like the kind of casual blasphemy of Mark Twain. Um, you know, the the one of the most famous scenes from Huck Finn um is him tearing up the letter he had written that exposes uh you know, the whereabouts of, of Jim, the the slave that he's gone on the on the trip with. And he does that saying, Well then I'll go to hell. And it is, you know, all about accepting that, you know. I I don't care what my religion says. My religion is wrong, and I know what's right. Um, which is just a a wonderful mindset for people in general to have to question what they've been told by society, whether that you know is their religion or some other authority figures. That we all have our own morality that is important to focus on outside of what a, a group of people tell you to believe. Um, so I, I I think I think that's you know it, it makes sense that so much of this movie is fixated on heaven and hell because I think Mark Twain as a person was fixated with that um and and I I I, I like this this is a short little segment but I think it does a pretty good job to explain if there is a philosophy of this movie I think as you know kind of quaint as the segment is I think it sums it up pretty well is that we all have our own version of what we think the meaning of life is and what how we want to live our lives and there's no right or wrong way to do that it's just however you are happiest because like mark twain himself seems pretty dismissive of captain stormfield's uh notion of heaven being a place where you have to be quiet and peaceful and read your hymns and sing with your harp um the other one had 24-hour pizza and beer that's great that 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 seemed like a much better place (laughs) that was a great deal 
it's a really good deal. Um, I don't know. I feel like that would be too loud for me, though. Like, I don't want to be in, like, the, the shushy place, like, the shushy heaven. But I also don't want to be in, like, the loud nightclub heaven, you know? There, there are, there's got, there's got to be. be in a cafe. Yeah, I'll take a cafe heaven. Yeah, sure. Where, like, you know. sometimes people are loud, but if they get too loud, you can all passive-aggressively stare at each other. <laughs> yeah. And there, there's a little bookshelf in the corner, and I can just, like, go hang out over there and drink my hot cocoa. Yeah, this sounds like a good heaven. I'll... I'll I'll take it I'll take it up with my maker when I meet her. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, as as you said, Katie, the 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 final main segment uh, is is Adam and Eve. Um, once again, having now been outside the Garden of Eden, Adam is still dumb. Eden is still an Eve is still a nag. Um, but we see them uh, grow old together, um, which, which leads us to. Oh wait, say say that louder, Katie. Your mic did not pick that up. So sweet. I hit the Celtic ranges. <laughs> I, I I don't think I've ever heard you make that noise before, Katie. I think this did this this genuinely pluck at a heartstring. Which is really cute. It was. Um it it sort of becomes a quote unquote twist where we see that as Mark Twain has been telling the story of Adam and Eve, um, as they grow older, you see that Adam in the story is Mark Twain and Eve is his wife, uh, Olivia. Um, and as as in, in real life, uh, his wife dies before him and he has clearly fallen into quite a depression and thinking about the meaning of life and heaven and hell. Um, and we learn that he has gone to meet the comet because he's ready to die. That's how he's going to get, that's how he's going out. As he said, with the comet, he's going to let the kids steer the airship for the, for the, you know, remainder of their days. So like they have that now. That's kind of an unresolved plot thread. Uh, Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, and Becky Thatcher just have an airship now. Um, that'll be fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was sweet seeing, you know, with the, the line, the line that, that Adam slash Mark Twain says is, is where, where she was, uh, there was Eden um mm-hmm. which that i mean doesn't that just sum it up like when you find the people you love whether that's you know romantic familial platonic you know friendship it's when you're with the people you care about you're in paradise like that mm-hmm. is that is your version of heaven on earth is being with the people you love um which again it's kind of like the philosophy of the movie is is what is your heaven um and to mark twain it's it's him and his wife um which is just so sweet i mean I, th- this movie is such a roller coaster of emotions. Like the, the the fact that that sentiment is in the same one as the young Satan segment is crazy. Um, yeah. What a, what a, what a it's weird all over movie. the place. Oh, and, a yeah. lot of emotions. Yeah, and and Mark Twain does die at the end. He he yeah. merges he merges together the dark and light of his soul. Um, Dark Twain and Mark Twain together at last um and uh you know acknowledges that's an important part of of his personality and who he is is not you know something to be ignored um it's it's part of who who what his personality is um and he goes up into he basically ascends to heaven and says he's he's going back to eden he's gonna go be with his wife um and that that's pretty much the end of the movie uh it's a quick one it's under under 90 minutes as most you know stop motion movies movie should be, be. As A, as movies should be, and as stop-motion movies kind of have to be by necessity because it takes so long to make every frame. True. 
But yeah, that that was that was this movie. Any any overall thoughts, uh, Katie, on 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 this wild ride? It's very philosophical. It has some good comedic moments and some terrifying moments. I I feel uh, like it really does run the gambit. Yeah, it's very impressive. It's nineteen eighty five. I had to look that up to make sure I got it right when I what I was first watching. I was like, this is nineteen eighty five. That's pretty smooth. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm really impressed by that. I think yeah. that the the artistry is is darn impressive. Yeah, it, it's very well, very well put together. I'm not surprised that this studio went on to become like a. Yeah, I mean, it's as I said at the top, like the, like the, this is an important part of stop motion history um you know regardless even if the movie hadn't been good like the fact that an entire movie was made in this style is impressive enough um especially for the time um but yeah that it looked so good and so fun um i I wish they made more movies in this style i mean i know this Mm -hmm. was this is the only like of the quote-unquote claymation style tm um this is sort of the only one that exists in in a full feature form uh obviously you know clay clay stop motion exists in many other ways like namely like i think the wallace and gromit movies um Mm -hmm. but in in this this is still i think a very distinct style in and of itself i'm trying Um, to think of what i know that's quite as like distinctly stylized with so much depth and texture into everything i think the closest one i can think of immediately i went to chicken run which has a lot of texture and things but it does have a lot of smoothness the pirates and claymation from what six years ago seven as yeah as i can get in terms of having a lot of remembering it having a lot of texture you otherwise know, I, I would go to yeah. like foreign animation my life as a zucchini just that may be as like the other one that i think of that's like the most like out there style in comparison to the classic animation style and by animation style I mean claymation but which is a film we should watch if you haven't seen it I I haven't seen it you know I've I've uh never neither of those actually neither pirates nor my life is a zucchini um pirates is by the chicken run people I want to say that sounds right it is actually a very enjoyable film it's one of those that kind of went under the radar and chicken run's getting a new movie this year so we can tap into more claymation Yes, I you know what I really would very much like to do that, Katie. I really I I love this style. I think scrapping our specialty, we are now just claymation and puppetry only. You know what? It is a valid form of animation. It is difficult to do. I mean, the amount mm-hmm. again, like even if this movie wasn't good, the respect that you have to have for them making an entire feature length movie in this style is crazy. Like the 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 effort is insane you have you i I think i mentioned this uh i i want i want to say when uh when we talked uh wendell and wild uh but at least there's one other stop motion film we talked about um but like with, with stop motion i think you sort of get a level of care that you don't necessarily get in other forms of animation obviously every every film is a labor of love animation more so um but when it comes to stop motion because every single frame has to be so painstakingly constructed and every second represents you know a day of work you you see that love in every frame that someone 
put their literal fingerprints on it and worked really hard to make it happen. Um, I I think that's why I, I can't think of a bad stop motion movie. There's certainly ones I like more than others, but I think I've never seen a stop motion movie that I think is just entirely worthless and no one should see. Like every stop motion movie I've ever encountered, I feel like I can recommend on some level. Mm. Mm-hmm. My cat has opinions that the audience can hear. I I can't, but I do love your cat very much. He just started screaming during that last one. Hey, he loves stop motion. Don't don't suppress his his natural curiosity and the love of True. the genre. I'll work I'll work on it with him. Yeah, I you, you should you should zone Wallace and Gromit. I feel like he I feel like he would uh he would identify with Gromit. I think he would. Your cat's a dog, is what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, any any final thoughts? I think we've we've discussed uh, just every inch of this movie. I know we've spoiled every aspect of it. Um, but I again, I still think for the artistry, if you're interested in anything we've talked about, we've given a plot summary. It's very different actually watching the movie. So mm-hmm. you should go do that. It's very well made and very interesting. It it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I do recommend. Well, I'm glad, Katie, I was able to show you a movie that uh, that you liked because you you usually do that with me. Uh, you through this pod, you've showed me so many, uh, particularly foreign movies um, that I've uh, really enjoyed. So I'm glad I've gotten to show you something that you've enjoyed. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll pop back in our cartoon time machine and we'll try to catch Haley's Comet. I, I think I saw it's coming back in like 2062 or something. We'll, we'll get it. Yeah, we'll get we've it. got one in our lifetime already. Yeah. Well, we have a time machine, Katie. We have it in any lifetime. We can heck, we can go grab Mark Twain's one. Let's do it. Let's do it. Maybe we'll see the face of Mark Twain in the comment. Yes. All right. I'm Scarlett. I'm Katie. We're your animates, and we will see you next time. <laughs>